Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. Welcome. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to see you. The best. Yeah, it's been rich already. I just appreciate the passion with Anthony and Ophi and Nita sharing about forgiveness. I mean, did you feel that when Nita came up and shared? I just felt there was a need that was being met and God was at work. If you're visiting for the very first time, I want to give you a special welcome. Glad that you're here. And if you are, you've been here for a while, but you feel kind of new, and especially maybe feel new to this idea of experiencing God, I just want to say welcome to the real world. Welcome home. We're glad that you're here, and there's more where that came from. And uh, one of the great places that you can experience God is in our small groups. And I encourage you, if you haven't already, to connect with one of our small groups. And uh, they're a great place to also experience God. You can just go to our website. Uh, just Google Life in the Sun Guam. It'll pop up, and you can click and see all the information there that you need to know. Another great way to be able to experience God is through his word. The Spirit of God can use the Word of God to help you encounter God. And so this morning we want to look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 43. If you want to open your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 43. We are continuing our series entitled Redefined. In this passage, Jesus is going to be talking about how we deal with difficult people? How do we deal with our enemies? How do we respond to people who are against us? How do we respond when we feel like we're being attacked? And uh, I don't know if this is a true story, but once upon a time, there was a pastor speaking on this topic, and he asked the group a question. He said, um, is there anybody here who does not have an enemy? And way in the back of the church, one elderly man, he raised his hand. And, uh, he's, and the pastor was actually kind of surprised. He didn't really expect anybody to raise their hand. He said, sir, uh, you don't have any enemies. And he said, no. And he said, wow, that's amazing. He said, would you mind coming up to the front? I want to ask you a few questions just to ask you how it is that you don't have any enemies. And so this elderly man, he kind of hobbled up on his cane and uh, the pastor went down to him, and he said, Sir, uh, how old are you? And he said, I'm 90 years old. And he said, Wow, what is your secret that at 90 years old, you don't have a single enemy? And he said, Well, I lived longer than every last one of those dirty, rotten scoundrels. <laughs> and the point is, uh, we all, at one point or another, have enemies. Uh, sometimes it may feel like it's your wife or maybe your husband, or maybe your child, or your parent, or your co-worker, um, or it could be even somebody in church. We all experience having to deal with difficult relationships. Matthew 5, verse 43. Before we actually get into what Jesus has to say about dealing with difficult people, I want to refresh our memory and remind us of the events that led up to what Jesus has to say about this. As you recall, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John, and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. And then after passing the test, he began his public ministry. And that, by the way, is a good pattern for us to keep in mind 
regarding our own spiritual journey. Because we too need to go uh, through the same process that Jesus did. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and we need to go through a process of testing. And by baptized, I mean we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to explain that a little bit. Sometimes we can use terms and phrases uh, and assume that we all are on the same page. But I'm talking about having an encounter with God. Having an experience with Him where He comes into your life and you have a revelation of His forgiveness and His love and His presence and His power. And as a result of that experience, you now have something that you can share with other people. And that's why Jesus said in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, telling people everywhere about me. And we can't really do that unless we've had an encounter with God ourselves. Otherwise, we have nothing to be a witness of. And so we have to go through this process like Jesus of being baptized or being filled with his spirit. And then we go through a time of testing. And it's important to pass the test, to learn the lessons that God has for us in his kingdom. It's after we pass the test that then we begin to experience a fruitfulness and an effectiveness in our witness. Amen? And so Jesus was baptized. He went through a time of testing. And then he came out and he began his public ministry. And he began preaching everywhere about the gospel. The gospel literally means the good news. And the good news is that God is here. God is with us. And God is for us. And he came to forgive us. And And that's just not metaphorical. That was actually literal at the time when Jesus was there. God in the form of man came to be with us. And the good news is that Jesus began to heal people. It didn't matter if it was a physical illness, physical sickness, or spiritual sickness. There was no problem too big or too small that Jesus couldn't take care of. And news began to spread. He began teaching in the synagogues. He began healing people. Uh, We read in Matthew chapter 4 earlier in this series that he began to heal everybody that came to him. Everybody. And the reason he could do that is because of what we said earlier. It was God come down in the form of man to be with us, and he has that ability. And so news spread like wildfire. People started coming from everywhere. I have a map just to show you the region where this happened. This is at the Sea of Galilee. And he was in Jerusalem. He went up to the Sea of Galilee, lived on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. That was actually the fulfillment of a prophecy that said the people in that region would see a great light. And while he was there, he called several of the disciples to himself. He continued to minister to people, speaking in the synagogues, their church of the day, and healing everybody. And then word just spread like wildfire and crowds. There was this groundswell of crowds that just began to gather thousands, literally thousands of people began to come and seek Jesus. You know, I could just imagine people on dusty, dirty roads. There are no cars, no motorcycles, no forms of transportation other than your feet. And the news was, it was, it was so present and so strong. I could just see people walking on a road going, so where is he? Well, last I heard, he's on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. I'm like, come on, son. He's got a 10-year-old boy. He goes, just 15 more miles. You know, maybe he's got a son who's got epilepsy and he wants him to get healed. And he's like, he's willing to do anything to be able to go and meet with Jesus. There were thousands of stories like that where people were gathering to come and be with him. And so during one of these occasions, he was up on a mountain 
by the Sea of Galilee. And the people were gathering, and Jesus realized it's time to clarify some things about what this new kingdom is that I've been talking about. It's time to clarify what this movement is about. Because it can be difficult to understand something new. You know, what is this new kingdom? What is this movement that's happening? And sometimes it's easier to be able to clarify by describing what it is that we're not. And so Jesus begins by giving six um, contrasting statements. And he would say things like, you have heard that it was said, but I say. And then he would go through uh, these various teachings that we've been covering in this series. And so I just want to review them quickly. Uh, In the first one, Jesus talked about murder. That was verse 21. He said, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. The second thing that Jesus touched on was adultery. He said, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The third area he talked about was divorce in verse 31. You have heard that the law says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. You can just write a note on a piece of paper and say done. But I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. The fourth one was about making promises. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. And then last week, uh, Chris unpacked what Jesus said about revenge. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer them the other cheek also. You know, on this teaching, I once heard about uh, a guy who was in the Marines. He had become a Christian as a younger man. And uh, he was familiar with this passage. And after he got out of the military, uh, somebody decided to test him. And uh, they actually tried to provoke him, and they slapped him. And uh, he turned the other cheek. And they slapped the other side as well. And then he proceeded to roll up his sleeves and he said, the Lord gave me no further instruction. (laughs) That's a little extra biblical material there. Don't apply that. Don't apply that. But it's on this note that now Jesus gets to the toughest topic of all. And that is, how do we deal with our enemies? All that was background leading up to this difficult topic of how do we deal with people who don't like us, people who hate us. And so this is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight both to the evil and the good, And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Verse 46. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? 
Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so here we have these six contrasting statements where Jesus is redefining everything. Jesus is redefining life, and he's raising the bar, and he's redefining how life is supposed to be. And some of us might think, you know what, Um, that's impossible. I mean, really, how do you expect us to love our enemy? I mean, that's, that's not realistic. How do you expect us to go and, and be nice to somebody who's trying to hurt me? Are you kidding me? There's no way that's going to happen. Trust me, I know myself. That's not going to happen. And if any of you have thought that or might be feeling that way, I would say that, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, based on past experience and knowing yourself that you would respond that way. But I would suggest that that picture you have of yourself is probably a picture of your old self. And God is in the process of wanting to reveal to you and to impart to you a picture of your new self. Because remember, when you invited Jesus into your life, you were born again. You were born once, physically, but then you were born spiritually. That's where we get that term, born again. And so... Whether you were aware of it or not, when God's Spirit came into your life, He transformed you on the inside. He gave you a new identity. He gave you a new nature. He gave you a new life. He gave you a new destiny. This is the picture of how God has recreated, or maybe I should say redefined, your life. And you have been given this incredible gift that is so valuable It cannot even be measured. This gift is unconditional love. God has given you unconditional love. And this very gift that he's deposited inside you, he is inviting us to now share that with others. Unconditional love. And so Jesus begins to unpack, well, what does that look like? What does real love look like? And he began to describe some things to help us understand. And so one of the things that he said is, um, I want you to go to God in prayer. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. I would suggest go to God in prayer, first of all, to forgive them. Because if they're your enemy, guaranteed they have hurt you. And there's probably a need to forgive. And now, you, you know uh, forgiveness is total when you can actually pray uh, for their well-being. You know, sometimes we pray, but our prayer is, Lord, go get them. Get them, Lord. Show us justice, you know. But when you can pray and say, God, I, I pray your blessing upon their life, then you know that forgiveness is complete. Total forgiveness. And so go, go to God in prayer, pray to forgive them, and pray for their well-being and pray for God's blessing in their life. That's the first thing that we can do to show unconditional love. The second thing that we can do 
is we can go and greet them. That can be a hard one, yeah? Why would you go and greet somebody who's attacking you on social media? Uh, the, this passage says, if you are kind, some, some uh, translations say, if you greet only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? You know, God, that expresses his heart. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were his enemies, he came to come and be with us, and he engaged us and approached us. And so to really represent God's heart of love, we need to be able to go to those who are against us, our enemies, and greet them, even if they don't return the same kind of greeting. And then thirdly, uh, we need to give. We can go to the next verse. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Now, who in their right mind would do that? Why would I go and give something to somebody who's my enemy, who's against me? He might even take what I give and use it against me to hurt me more. That's just, you know, the world's thinking is that this kind of thinking is crazy. This, this love is crazy love. I mean, who would, who would in their right mind put themselves in harm's way? Why would you put yourself in danger? Even if it was just socially, emotionally, relationally, why would you do that? That's like me telling you to go climb uh, this next picture, this dangerous mountain. Anybody know what mountain that is? That's in Yosemite. It has a specific name for that particular peak or that point. Louder? Half Dome, it's called El Capitan, El Capitan. And recently, uh, that particular cliff became very popular in the world. It is taller than the tallest building in the world. And on June 3rd, uh, this guy, he climbed it. His name is Alex Honnold. Alex Honnold, 25 years old. He's been training since he was five years old. He is the Superman of mountain climbing. He climbed it in just under four hours. If you see these guys, his fingers, they're like gorilla fingers. And uh, he can hang from one finger just like this and do pull-ups. I mean, he's amazing. Uh, Alex Honnold is to mountain climbing what Jesus is to loving your enemies. And you might say to yourself, well, you know, Alex Honnold is just one person out of six billion on the planet. Just because he can do it doesn't mean I'm going to go climb, you know, El Capitan. And we might say the same thing with Jesus. You know, he was able to love his enemies, but that's Jesus. I mean, I shouldn't expect myself to be able to follow in those footsteps, should I? Well, there's one major difference between Alex Honnold and Jesus. Alex Honnold does not live inside you, but Jesus does. Jesus lives inside you, and he's, his love and his power is able to work in and through your life to be able to allow you to have a response that's different from anything you could ever do on your own. I want to encourage you to see the difference that God can make in your relationships by showing you a short video about an ordinary man who has an extraordinary God. Let's go ahead and watch it. He didn't have any remorse at all for what he had done. You know, he killed so many people, he didn't remember who they were, what they looked like. I just couldn't believe that somebody could 
kill all those people and not remember them. Neither could the angry relatives of his victims, who were invited to speak in court when Ridgway was sentenced to life without parole on December 18, 2003. You had said your memory, when it comes to all of the women you took, was gone. Our memory is not. In your words, you said that they didn't mean anything to you, but she meant everything to us. She was a mother, she was a wife, she was a sister, and we miss her. Gary Ridgway sat there stone-faced as victims' relatives damned him and mocked him. He's an animal. I wish for him to have a long, suffering, cruel death. He's gonna go to hell and that's where he belongs. But then the emotionless facade finally cracked when the father of one of his victims appeared to surprise him with a dose of human kindness. Mr. Ridgway, um, there are people here that hate you. I'm not one of them. You've, you've made it difficult to live up to what I believe, and it is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir. I pray that none of us would ever have to face and respond to an enemy like that. But whatever circumstance you are facing, whatever relational difficulty you do experience, uh, the important thing is not so much what happens to us. The important thing is how do we respond to what happens to us. And I want to remind you what Jesus said. He said, go to God in prayer. Go to God to forgive and to bless. Uh, go and greet your enemy and go and give something that they need. I just want to share a quick story of what this has done in my heart as I've been studying this passage and applying it. Um, it's very easy to go around in life judging people. We do it all the time. We make snap judgments about people. Whatever way they don't meet our standard of whatever we define success to be, you know, we go around and we make judgments about people. And we know the Bible says don't judge. But it's not good enough just to say don't judge, don't judge. Make sure you're not judging. Nobody's judging, don't judge. Because what that does is it just puts the elephant in the room and we're all thinking about judgment now. What we need is a positive alternative of what to do in place of the judgment. And so anytime you walk into a situation, it could be your home, it could be a family gathering, it could be this church, it could be your work, go in there and whoever it is that you're having a problem with, decide ahead of time, I'm going to be begin praying for that person. I'm going to pray and uh, I'm going to pray forgiveness. I'm going to, just between me and God, I'm going to forgive that person for what they did. Forgiveness is just giving up the right to make them pay for what they did to you. And just think about how it is that you make them pay, whatever it is, cold shoulders, silent treatment, bad words, talking behind their back, stabbing them in the back, you know, whatever it is, whatever that is that you do to make them pay, you're just going to say to God, Lord, 
I'm not going to do that anymore. I give them up to you. And so, you know, pray to forgive them and then pray to bless them. And genuinely ask God to give you his heart. And I have been convicted in the process of applying this. And I realize how I am bankrupt without God to be able to love people the way he does. And we have to come to that place of saying, God, help, because I'm not there. God, I need your spirit. I need your heart. I need your mind to be able to respond in a way that honors you and honors people. You know, the Pharisees, they had worked out this system of how to do life. It wasn't just the Pharisees. It wasn't just the Jews. It was really characteristic of all mankind. And we, we have it across the board where we think that, you know, life is about our human effort. It's about what I can accomplish. It's about uh, personal achievement. And Jesus came to tell us it's not, life is not about personal achievement. Yes, that happens, but that is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to love people. It's to love God and to learn how to love one another. And so as we learn to go to God in prayer, to forgive and to bless and to go and to greet and to go and to give, then Jesus says that as you do that, you will be demonstrating your true nature as a child of God. You'll be, de- you'll be demonstrating your true identity as God's child. That you've been given this amazing gift of unconditional love. And the thing that God has given us freely, by the way, he's inviting us to also give it freely to those who need it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that you would take these words of Jesus and more than that, his role model, and even more than that, his very life and spirit that lives within us and transform us. Father, we ask that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds. And Lord, those old thoughts, those old attitudes that we picked up from doing life in the world, God, we just bring those before you and we confess that they are not godly. They do not honor you and they do not honor our brothers and our sisters. God, we lay them down before you at the foot of the cross and ask that you would render them powerless, that you would break their power, that you would remove them from our lives, that they have no place in us. And Lord, we ask that you would replace that with your heart and your mind. Lord, we're bankrupt without you. God, we ask you to fill us with your spirit. God, we ask you to fill us with your love. Lord, teach us how to love one another and how to love you. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address another group of people here today. As you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God, that's something that has piqued your interest and you've been thinking about that. You sense that perhaps God has been trying to get your attention and that's why you're here today. And if you've never made a formal decision to invite God to come into your life, if you never made a conscious choice to say, yes, God, I'm opening myself up to you and I want you to be a part of my life and I want to give you an opportunity to do that today, it's real simple. The most important thing is you just have to make the decision. 
And if that describes you, then we simply express that to God. That's what we call prayer. And so I'll pray out loud, and I invite you to hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm here today. I present myself before you. God, I know that you've been trying to get my attention. Today I'm making a decision and I'm saying yes. I want to experience you. And so I open up my mind, I open up my heart, the innermost part of my being. And I ask you by your loving, forgiving spirit to come into my life and be with me. God, I want to be with you. I want to know you. God, I ask that you would show yourself to me and show me your way of living. Lord, my way hasn't worked so well. You know the mistakes that I've made. And I ask you to forgive me for what I've done. Right now, I receive your spirit of forgiveness into my life. And I also come into agreement with you and choose to forgive myself. And I receive it and settle it today. If you're praying this prayer with me right now, just want to invite you to let his spirit come in. It's a spirit of unconditional love, his spirit of forgiveness. And let him come and restore and heal and cleanse and make you alive spiritually to be born again to the living God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for coming into my life. I thank you for forgiving me, and I ask you to make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give a hand to all those who prayed that prayer.